Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. We are continuing in our coverage of the graphic novel The White Sand Omnibus with chapters four, five, and six, wherein they make it to to the city to in in low sand and uh, our, our our friends go their separate ways more or less chris goes to do her thing and meets with mixed results kenton goes and finds out that they're trying to shut down the dm permanently and he has to take the leadership role and he also you know gets some mixed results trying to save things so it's uh it's a whole lot of there's some politicking and some some weirdness going on in this one and in addition to that we also read the taldane system essay from Arcanum Unbounded, so we'll get to that stuff probably towards the end. But I'm Data, and with me is... It's Joe. Jamie. And Dak. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Rusted right up on the gold and shine Visions of the ancient divine beyond the of time So, yeah, we got uh, some more story. I, I think we're kind of thick with story in these chapters, I feel like. So what, what did you guys think of these three chapters? Yeah, I, I liked I liked some of it. I, I don't know if it's because of the format that we're reading it in and i haven't read a graphic novel in a while like i've read a ton of them but i um i almost miss miss like a certain amount of complexity to the story here because i feel like and maybe this is me just not understanding where the story's going but i feel like it's pretty easy to predict what's going to happen so far and like it seems pretty cut and dry to me but maybe i'm just missing something maybe there'll be some awesome twist like the end of Watchmen when there's a giant like octopus from another realm or whatever. <laughs> classic. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Classic. But I, I don't know. It just, I like it. I'm just like, eh, I kind of, I've seen this before. You know, not this specifically honest, obviously, but like these. It's like I've seen Sandmasters trying to get sure. their, their, sure. their guild approved before. Just yeah. all the time, really. Sandmasters, right. No, I, I think honestly, the uh, thing that I like the most out of what we've been reading is like, and we touched on this last last uh, episode, is like the background stuff that's in like the in-between chapters. That stuff's really interesting. Like the explanation of all the guild masters and how they form the Taisha and all that stuff. I like that stuff. But just like, I don't know. I'm really interested to see how Chris plays into this, but I, I don't know. I, I don't care that much about Kenton right now. At least not yet. Like, I don't really care about okay. his plight. His plight doesn't seem to loom all that large, at least not yet. And so I, I'm having trouble caring about his portion of it. But hopefully it'll kind of work into Chris's portion and we'll get something interesting out of it. So I'm excited for the potential of like what the what the Mastrals can do, what they can be. And again, I like the art style. It's it's nice. It's fun to read. And then I was super I was super stoked, even though the essay on Teldane is really short, that we got confirmation that this was Autonomy's original plan. I was like, oh, sweet. Awesome. So uh, that was fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to save some stuff for when we get there. But when we actually hit that, there's I'm going to give you guys a little additional information also ah, that you probably find interesting. But Knowledge nuggets, my favorite. So, OK, so what is it, I guess, what is it about Kenton's story that you're just like, eh, I don't really care? I mean, look, we've seen this story before, right? It's like whether it's his actual 
parent or like a foster parent you have this hero who's like underestimated by everybody and he kind of rises above that and now because of all the things he had to do to rise above that he now finds himself in a very in a position that he didn't expect to be in very quickly and he's got to kind of rise to that occasion and and he's got to figure out a way to save his entire way of life or whatever like we've seen it i'm just like and so i'm having trouble caring specifically about kenton because the people that he's lost, by and large, didn't like him. He that's didn't true, like them. Yeah. <laughs> His dad had, you know, big daddy issues, which that's warranted. He obviously is trying to grieve for his dad, doesn't know how, doesn't want to become his dad. Like, it's just stuff that I've seen before. I'm much more interested in his friend that popped up, Eric. Much more interested in Chris. Kenton, I'm just like, I think the power is cool, but I wish, like, somebody else was wielding it. I don't know. It doesn't seem that interesting to me right now. Okay. All right, that's fair. Just, uh, yeah, his friend, uh, his friends certainly has, seems to have some interesting potential happening there. I'll agree with that much. Yeah. Well, yeah, and like I said, you know, it's not bad. I'm just, I'm like, eh, I, I don't care yet. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to start caring, but I just need something more. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Oh, it's fine. I think I agree. The story's, it's a story. There's nothing particularly wow factor for me yet. I. It's not a bad story. I just don't feel I'm that invested in it yet. But I think, and I've said it before when we go from a novel to then a shorter story, I think I'm always expecting something much bigger than what it is. And I stopped and thought about it and was like, you know, we've, we've only got, what, six six episodes of this and they are a bit of a shorter read because you've got all of the graphics and, and stuff to go with it, which is fine. But when I started, I'm like, oh, my brain's going, well, what could possibly happen here? How is this going to expand into the bigger the bigger picture and, and all that sort of stuff? And I just I, I'm not sure that we're going to get there in this story. I think this story is going to be a lot more, a, a lot smaller and self-contained than what my brain thinks it's going to be when we first start. But that's OK. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just I am trying to not set myself up for disappointment when it turns up to be a smaller story. Mm. You know, we've. we've in the lost metal now we've gone oh bigger cosmic autonomy is happening and there's so many shards and all of the, the the magic systems and stuff like it wow it's all cool yes we're learning about one here but i think it's going to be really like setting the scene for for chris but on the whole i still liked what we read it's it's a fine story nothing too dramatic happening or or anything yet <laughs> um i'm sure there will be it is it is after all still brandon sanderson's work but good. I I liked that they kind of split up a little bit. I enjoyed the moment when she was then going around to all of the the lords and ladies of their professions, and then realizing that she was going to come back and it was going to be him. And that was that was a bit of fun. I think that interaction. Yeah, uh, it was a good story though. It's it's like it's fine. Oh yeah, I I agree. It was kind of a fun little um, montage of her visiting the various places and then just getting shut down repeatedly. Yeah. And then getting very upset with Kenton when she found out uh, who he was. And it's like, he didn't lie to you. <laughs> First of all, there was a, a gap in, in understanding each other. Mm-hmm. But second of all, wasn't in that position when you met him. <laughs> yes. He's trying to explain to her real hard. Like the, 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 I only got this job like two days ago and she's like, and also he, I have no idea what you're talking about when you say mage. Like I still like what, 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 what is that? Yep. But yeah. Okay. That's uh yeah, I see I see where you guys are coming from. Yeah, no, this was um 
it's a good read. I think I agree with the others. It's like Kenton's story is fairly fantasy standard. Not that that's a bad thing. I liked the way he, the way he eventually like managed managed to use his head and get appointed as head of the of the DM. The moment where he got his sand power back, I'm just like, that's cool. I don't understand why this is happening. So there's got to be like, did he just burn himself out and that was it? And if so, that seems kind of odd. You know, we spent so much time last time, well, you know, earlier that like, oh, I've lost my powers and they're just back. Mm-hmm. So guess guess we'll. Um, I'm sure there's got to be a reason for that. Chris's stuff was fairly interesting. The thing that really grabbed me of her story was when she was visiting, like, the Darksider who now lives over here, and Bayon is just like, a, oh, fuck that guy, and tries to shoot him through the door. And then there was that, like, the Lord Beggar hanging around there as well. That guy's freaky looking, so, like, I was very fascinated. It's like, and then, like, you read the supplemental material, and it's like, oh, he is as powerful as all the lords of, of this city. He just doesn't have an official position on the council, so... Mm-hmm. And then, so, all right, cool. I want to know more about that guy. And then we randomly cut to this character we've never seen before, like the like the cop who's hunting him down. I'm like, okay, this is new. And then she gets reappointed to keep an eye on Kenton. And I'm like, okay, that's gonna cut. That's surely that'll come back at some point if she's hunting the Lord Beggar. Like this Lord Beggar guy just seems to have like shown up and like his presence has been small, but imp- but it seems like it's important enough. And, like. He's going to be a, have a big part to play. So, is that um, she's hunting? Hold on. I thought it was, wasn't she? Oh, now we got to see. Because I, I didn't remember that being the case, but it could be. Okay, she. I, I skipped to where she she's attacking the guy, and she's like, tell me where your master is. Where is Sherazan? Okay, so where is oh, okay. okay, there might have been something else. I remember, like, more stuff about the Lord Beggar coming up, and they're just like, oh, we've got to keep an eye out for him or something. Does does this cop lady have a name? Because I swear, if it if it came yeah. up, I mi- I missed it. Her name is, I believe it's spelled A I S. Um, I'm find it again. Ace? Yeah, A I S. And ice? so I don't know if you pronounce that ice or ace. In my head, I usually say it ice, but I I don't know that it matters. Uh okay, yeah. It says in, uh, on her like the page where she very first shows up. I thought someone was swearing. <laughs> they were actually they were actually addressing her and i thought they were just cursing because like aisha is a, is like a curse word or an exclamation of, of holy true. shit in this world so i thought someone just abbreviated it my bad uh, the lord beggar <laughs> is called nilto so yeah it's not the same okay but yeah he gets mentioned a few times and it seems like yeah anyway so yeah curious to see how this goes yeah it's it seems like the story the storyline for the most part seems like fairly standard i'm sure Brandon will pull the rug out from under us at some point, but and it's the, it's the setting that sets this one apart. I am still enjoying the whole desert desert oasis sort of thing they've got going on. So I'm like, if nothing else, I'm definitely here for that. I'm, I always like seeing fantasy settings that aren't quite plumbed yet by mainstream fantasy. Mm, yeah, that may, and it, it's interesting because when they get to town or when they get to that part where, where like the stuff is growing, he's like, "Welcome to the desert," because this yeah. is the area that doesn't have the vines under the sand. So. Yeah, just oh, culture clash. Yeah, but yeah, I I felt like in the prose version, the Lord Beggar gets a lot more attention, and then you were like, hey, yeah, he's mentioned several times. I was like, oh, maybe I just didn't really pick up on it when I went through because yeah, he gets the fact that he's okay. I didn't even I kind of skipped over that part in the additional section where it talks about how it's kind of an unofficial guy, which it makes way more sense that they explain that there because in the book it 
really focuses on like yeah his unofficial status and i was like you don't really get any of that here but that's because i skipped the part that i uh uh, mentioned it so that's just me being done i saw the page where like here's all the different professions i was like well i already know what the different professions are i don't need to i should i should have read that see there's me being guilty of the skipping stuff (laughs) all good Uh, okay yeah let's 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 do this thing we ended last time with him being like i'll show you sand mastery oh shit i have no sand mastery and so instead of pulling out like his sword here, like did he, did his sword get knocked away or something? Because no, he just doesn't pull it out. Yeah, he just punches a guy in the face at the beginning of this fight. He's like, well, Maybe I don't need sand mastery to do this. Maybe he didn't have time to pull his sword out. Yeah, like yeah, like pulling your weapon out is not a free action. <laughs> he does pull out eventually, but he's like, uh oh, you know, I'm I'm not gonna last long here. And then all of a sudden, there's a boom, and he was like what the hell was that? Like, I, I, I don't have my powers, but I wasn't expecting whatever the hell that was. And, uh, yeah, it, like the, it, it's off panel, but it appears that a guy's head explodes from getting shot. And he's like, wait, what? And there's Bayon with like a shotgun <laughs> and he shoots another guy. And then he puts the barrel right up to a third guy's head. And that's when the whole crew of, uh, of attackers is like, okay, yeah, we're out. That's fucking badass. I love that moment. It was great. Right. I, I like Bayon. His whole attitude and stuff is is a lot of fun. Yep. And so he Kenton explains to them what we've already been explained about. The X means they're a warrior, but the tattoos are priests. So this is some sort of warrior priest. And Bayon's like, so yeah, why do they want to kill you uh, for something I used to be? And we also we we get told about it, but if you watch, you notice it in the background of how the Tonks, when there's danger, they burrow into the sand. And like you see in, in the first panel of this chapter, you see that Bayon's tonk burrowing into the sand and he kind of slides off to fight. So I, I like that background detail. And the, after the fight, Kenton and Bayon are talking, start talking to like the professors and stuff. And you can see all the tonks are still mostly buried in the sand, even though they're the riders are still just sitting on them. And then they tell Kenton what guns are, which I feel like Chris gives a little more information than I probably would have if I've got this secret technology I don't want the day side to know about, but whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, it's called gunpowder. It's this explosive thing that I guess like she tells him what it is, but not how to get it. So, yeah, that's true. And she explains that, you know, Bayon's gun only had the two barrels, so he only had two shots. It's like, oh, so he was bluffing. He couldn't have killed that third guy. She's like, well, I mean. Not unless he pulled out the other gun he also has. Right. Yeah. And then he would have been like two guns, bitch. <laughs> and they they collect from the dead one of those uh, wrist air dart gun things and they're examining that and like yeah, it's pretty cool and then they arrive here it is duchess kizar or kizari the capital city of losand welcome to the desert and i like her reaction is kind of the reaction that we've had at times while reading the books i i, I don't know what i expected but it wasn't this <laughs> And there's a train. He's, he hooks her up with a translator here. Like, OK, she'll help you get around. She can translate for you. I have my own shit that I got to do. So I'll see you guys later. Also, the Tonks will not ride across the river because they're scared of water because water melts them. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I want to bring up something. Maybe she switched Tonks or maybe somehow the horn grows back. But in this frame, Chris's Tonks, Tonk does have its horn. Oh. I was I like, hmm. pick up on that. Oh, there is there's an earlier frame where uh, like on the page before this last one, where if you look at Chris, one of them is definitely a little smaller than the other one. So maybe it could be an angle thing where you it looks like both his horns are good. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So she goes across the river and Kenton goes to the DM, the place where the Sandmasters hang out. 
It's actually kind of a cool looking building. Got some Sandmaster statues out front. And there's no one there. It's like, oh my gosh, everyone's dead. What am I going to do? And then, hey, some some guy named Deeran. I think we saw him before. Was he like the one looking after, like he was the medic for Kenton Oh, after, that they sent the away trial? after he woke up? Yeah, maybe. That would make sense. And we find out that, like, actually most of the youngest, the acolytes, the, the young people survived. Like, the, the attackers kind of ignored them and went for the more high-ranking people. It's like, oh, yeah, we were all wearing sashes to show them who were the people they should go after. That was maybe a mistake. But Dryle has taken over as the new Lord Maestral. And he is down, uh, Deeran says, getting approved, like, instated as the, the Lord Maestral, basically. And Kenton's like, yeah, well, we're going to go and do something about that. And we go to the Hall of Judgment. It's very uh, uh, Justice League or Super Friends sort of. And actually, if you uh, if you notice on this page, there there was when the first comics first came out, there were a lot of debate about where Hoyd shows up in these books. This is apparently him. He's a guy guy in a brown robe playing like a big guitar thing on on the page that says Hmm. outside the Hall of Judgment. Ah, interesting. And I have to. If you watch out, he apparently shows up at least once in each of the three original books uh, as Guy in Brown Cloak with Guitar Thing. Interesting. Guy in Brown Cloak with Guitar Thing. He's is a it his, big instrument, so I don't know. Is it a standard Guitar Thing or a different Guitar Thing? It's not his loot thing? It's I, I don't know what you'd call this. It's a big squared-off thing. Mm-hmm. And then Kenton is going to go in and interrupt this meeting and be like, I should be in charge. And he's like, well, I don't actually have any powers, though. And he tries one last time, and he forms a connection, and his powers have returned. But also, he now has three ribbons of sand instead of just one. Wait, what? Yeah, some. And it's this impossible. Is where, this is where I was like, wait, what's happening now? And I and I hope we get an explanation for this because right now I'm just like, okay, so now he's even stronger than he was before for some reason. Inconceivable. Maybe he's like a Saiyan. It's like his, yeah. when his, his powers come back stronger after he gets the shit. Yeah. yeah, his powers now maximum. There's now just more power available to go around with less people using it, perhaps. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, maybe that's true. I didn't think about that when she, uh, because how the powers work that we learned in the essay, which we'll talk about, is like they draw, they draw it in from like around them and use it yeah. and use it to use the sand. So maybe you're that's right. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. I mean, given how many of them died and how many of them could use like 15 plus ribbons, if that power gets split between everybody and he still just has three, it feels like a jip. But <laughs> uh, it's two more than he had I mean, before. True. He should absolutely have, you know, 500 ribbons by now, but <laughs> he does. <laughs> uh, and more ribbons than man. In the same, in, in one of these shots where he's showing off his three new ribbons, it's like, this shouldn't be possible. There's like brown robe guy with guitar and his hood is now blown off and he's got like white hair. So maybe that uh, that does look like Hoyt after all. Man, why does Hoyt hang out like a beggar on Skadrial and here he's a muso? It's a good question. Uh, maybe, maybe street musician isn't uh, a popular pastime in Skadrial. Maybe not in the Lord Ruler's time, but you'd think in the in the, in the second era. Do we ever hear anything about music? I mean, I guess there must have been like the balls and stuff because they danced. But I don't, I don't remember much about music on Skadrial. Uh, I mean, until Era 2. I, I think there's street musicians in Era 2, if I remember, like, Wayne giving some money or something. But I think so. And he, Kenton just flies in with his ribbons of sand and is like, and the guy at the desk, yeah, can I help you? I can't interrupt while Maestral Dryle has the floor. Like, well, then you can announce me after I arrive. <laughs> I'll be the one who interrupts. 
And then it turns out that uh, they're not here to put Drile to approve Drile to be in charge. They're here to destroy the DM officially. Like most of its members are dead. So as a profession, they're like, we're just going to dissolve it. And that's when we get into the, the extra information about the professions. So the Taishin, the ruling council, is made up of the head of each of these professions, the official pro- professions, the, the Sandmasters, so the leaders, the Lord Maestral, the judges is the high judge who we meet here and get some. She, she seems like a decent sort. The Lord Merchant is in charge of the merchants. The Lord General in charge of the Tower of Soldiers. Apparently the leader of the Masons is the Lady Mason. The Lord Farmer is the leader of the farmers. The Lord Artisan, the leader of the artisans. Is, yeah, it's not a complicated naming scheme. And the, the head of the ship owners is the Lord Admiral. Despite the use of Admiral, not military. And then we do find out that there is a, an unofficial ninth Titian, the Lord Beggar, whose power is only recognized because of the amount of influence he has among the working class and the poor. Doesn't get an official vote on the council, but he's a powerful dude. Chapter five. Kenton's just like, OK, wait, so 2000 of us were just killed and you guys are just like, all right, well, screw them. Like, it's <laughs> kind of insensitive. It's a little insensitive, but I, I think in this instance also fair. It's like, yeah, yeah you, your guys' whole purpose was like to defend us, and then you didn't do a very good job of that, and now there's almost none of you to defend us, so uh, why are we paying for you? Yeah, exactly. Like, we found out before that they haven't actually done any fighting in, like, hundreds of years or something, so they've been skating by on, like, yeah, we're a fighting force. We just don't do it. And, uh, yeah, apparently the the nation has been paying for them. They're paying for nothing, basically. And Kenton's like, oh, man, I've been working my whole life to change the DM and, and like, address all of these issues that these other professions have with us. And now it's going to be too late. And he's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I admit the DM has grown lazy, complacent, arrogant. And then one guy's like, and expensive. <laughs> and I don't know that this is the case, but I think that might be the merchant guy. One would think that that would make sense, right? And so uh, Kenton makes a pretty decent argument for why maybe it's, this is not the best time to dissolve the Sandmasters, especially with, I mean, she point, the judge points out that like with the, the curse, with Kirsta rattling their sabers across the border, we need people to actually defend. And the, the money that we paid to the Sandmasters could go towards soldiers. And this guy who we're guessing maybe Lord Merchant is also like, also, you guys are like unholy and shit. So, and Ken says that sand mastery is not spontaneous. Without testing the populace for it, within a generation, there will be no Sandmasters. So that's a thing. I mean, we we supposedly Losa got blessed with sand mastery by the Sand Lord. So I wonder how she learned how to use it. If it's and were her kids the only ones with sand mastery after that? I don't know. She autonomy showed her how to do this shit. Mm, maybe that's a good point. Uh, we see the Lord General, a uh, guy with pointy beard. Yep. So we know that he's not the the guy yelling about how expensive things are. And then they vote to dissolve the DM, and everybody says dissolve. No, not everyone. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. One guy's like, well, Lord Vey voted to dissolve, so I guess I'll have to vote to retain them. I love just that that pettiness. It's like, look, we're all opposed to this, but the guy I hate is voting to get rid of you, so I'm just going to, like, spite him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love shit There's like that. always one of those. <laughs> And then Kenton, who has spent years studying the law for loopholes to become a maestral, that now comes in handy when he's like, uh, yeah, you guys aren't you're not allowed to remove someone from their place on the council, which I have as the acting head of the DM without two weeks notice. So dissolving would be removing me from the council. You have to give me two weeks. 
And the, the one guy's like, Judge, just tell him how stupid he is and let's be done. And she's like, no, technically he's correct. The best kind of correct. Yep, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. Damn it. <laughs> so he has two weeks. But I love, oh, I love that in knowing that they were just going to dissolve it anyway. They're like, let's just hope no right? one notices. Like, yeah, okay, you can, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're actually doing the wrong thing here. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I guess like, no one else knew like the judge knows law because that's her job. So every, everyone else may have been in the dark about it. It's like it's like when Ellen's election was going to he was going to lose the election. and He was the only one who knew that they could change their vote. Except this lady wasn't going to say anything. No. And then makes a deal as we'll get to about oh, I've given you two weeks. Like I've bought you some time. I'm on your side. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. This lady seems super sus. Yep. So she also says that they're going to count this as a preliminary decision. So in order to overturn a preliminary decision, you need a unanimous vote. So you will have to get every single person to vote for you within two weeks or you're done. Yeah. Bullshit. You remember you how – yeah, I was going to say the same what you're about to say, Dax. Like remember how before you just needed the majority? Now, because of some technical BS, which you also used, you have to get everybody. Yeah. Uh, including the one guy who always votes opposite the other guy. Yep. So good luck there. <laughs> Hey, can you not, like, just be petty against this guy for once? Hmm. Hmm. Let me think about that. No. No. <laughs> and so we cut to Chris, who they find, they have they have a guide who's translating and stuff for them, and they find, like, a dark side enclave of culture in the middle of this capital city of Losand. And, of course, the, uh, the, the linguist and the, what do you call it? The, uh, the anthropologist, they're both fascinated by this. It's like, do you think that there's like a mixed language, Losandian dynastic hybrid? That would be so exciting, wouldn't it? And everyone else is like, sure, why not? Whatever. And she, they asked their guide to arrange a meeting with somebody who would keep track of new arrivals. And she's like, yeah, it'll cost you 10 lakh. And they get in and they find this very well-dressed fellow in a nice sitting room with like sumptuous like purple chairs and a big plate of food in front of him and it's a it's it's a nice place and this is a guy an infamous traitor to the dynasty who was supposedly executed for trying to murder emperor scathan himself and the guy's like oh is that what they're saying all right and so not only did they did, did they get some information about various things like this guy knew she was coming that's how up to date his, his information from dark side is and he even has her favorite tea ready to go, although he serves it to her too hot, which she takes to be a signal that something is uh, he's trying to warn her of something <laughs> that was kind of random. But especially because it's not like resolved in this next yeah. sequence, it's like, OK, what was he trying to warn her about? <laughs> and so she he's like, you want to hear you want to know about Gavin? And she's like, oh, so you knew him because only his friends called him Gavin. His name was Givaldin. And so apparently Gevin and his uh, his assistant Wilhelm, who's the person who sent her the letter, they were killed. They were assassinated within a week of each other. So the prince got assassinated. His assistant sent the letter, and then the assistant was also assassinated. I like how she says, "Can I trust you to keep the reason for my expedition secret?" And he goes, "After a fashion." And the look on his face is so awkward. He says, "I'll send one of my best people with you. This girl who was already guiding you, like she actually works for me, and she's actually really good at her job." And a moment ago, she had a horrible accent, but it instantly changes into perfect Liarian to match Loden's accent. 
So she was uh, being a little bit of a sneak there. And this is when Nilto, the Lord Beggar, just kind of opens the door and strolls in like he is very much at home here. Or maybe he's just so powerful that he doesn't care to knock. And he's like, who is this? A visitor from Darkseid, Nilto, my friend, a rather important person, a ruler on her side. And he's like, yeah, whatever, get rid of her. Also, what 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 the fuck is wrong with this guy's face? Right? Yeah, it's uh, he, he's he's not looking great. He's looking like a uh, like a zombie or a, a mummy from D and D. Actually, it looks kind of like Roz Nasi from the Tomb of Annihilation. Now that I'm looking at it, so, yeah, this guy just spent a bit too much time in a sandstorm and it's chipped away at his face. Could be. Yeah, or maybe he's like a bad like a magic used up Lantrian. And he explains the this guy explains that. The Lord Beggar is like an unofficial Taisha. And she's like, oh, I've heard of the Taisha. The, the Taisha, the rulers? Yeah, maybe he can help me. And he's like, oh, no. Yeah, I don't think he's going to help you. He wants you to leave. <laughs> Fuck out of my house. <laughs> I, love how, I love how up front he is with her. He's just like, no, he's not going to help you. He wants you to leave right now. <laughs> and he's like, I'm, I can't really refuse him either, so I'm afraid you're going to have to go. And so, yeah, he, Natisse and uh, the, Natisse is the guide. I don't know if I mentioned her name. And Chris, they start to leave. And that's when Bayon spots Loten and pulls out a gun and is just going at him. And Loten is very surprised. But Chris convinces him not to fight. And there's that moment where the guards are reaching for their swords. But she's like, it looks like they might actually be reaching for something more. And then you see that one of them is wearing a gun behind his sword that's kind of hidden from view. So we know how good this guy's information about Darkseid is, how up to date. So it totally makes sense that uh, he would have some technology also. And then we cut back to Kenton. The Lord Judge comes out and is like, hey, can I have a private word with you? And now she's trying to be friendly. She's like, hey, man, I gave you a shot. I mean, you know, I had to do my job in there, but I'm pulling for you, man. Your dad and I were great buds. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like, I, I, you know, I was a good friend of your dad's. I'm going to miss him. <laughs> My dad was a total dick. And uh, he's like, I thought you didn't like the Sandmaster. She's like, no, I have great respect for your profession and especially for your father. But the DM built itself so high that when it fell, even I couldn't rescue it. This lady's hair reminds me of um, Gary Oldman's Dracula. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. Big, big Dracula vibes on this lady. Yeah. She she informs Kenton that not only is uh, the DM, not only do they have no money, they are overloaded with debt. And he's like, but the tribute, because all the other professions pay tribute to them to for to support them. Basically, that's how they get paid. All the other gr guilds grew tired of paying the tribute. All but the guild, sorry, grew tired of paying the tribute, which he's like, well, Lord Vey is one of my most outspoken enemies. So I guess Lord Vey is probably that uh, the Lord Merchant that we saw mm. because the, the Guild of Merchants was the name of that. So they're the only ones who are still paying, according to her. And so. Lord Vey, by the way, is also the name that the guy was like, I always vote against what Lord Vey says. So it sounds like Vey is going to be an important uh, turning point here. Yeah, I wonder if Vey, because, you know, Vey's clearly all about the Monet, the Monet, as they say. I wonder if Vey had struck a deal with Dryl because Dryl wants to hire his men out as mercenaries. Oh, I wonder maybe. if Vey had struck a deal yeah, with a Dryl thought. and like that's why he's paying tribute because he thought Dryl would be in charge. Could be. And so Kenton is uh, is confronted with he needs to convince all of the Taishin to vote for him. He needs to pay off the DM's debts and he needs to convince everyone else, all the other Shandmasters to actually follow him in two weeks. So we got a ticking clock. Gets okay, back so to achieve the impossible. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right. Not a problem. No pressure. <laughs> it's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Fine. Everyone's fine. It's good. 
Yeah, he's that uh, he's that dog at the table that's on fire in the meme. <laughs> it's fine. This is fine. Kenton gets back to the DM and finds Dryl and Dryl's buddies handing out rooms. Like, you'll be on this floor, you'll be on that floor. Handing out the maestral's rooms because none of them need them anymore. And he's like, okay, Drow, how exactly, what criteria are you using to allocate the rooms? And Drow's like, I choose those most loyal to the maestrals. There's only one maestral here, buddy, and it ain't you. Right? And Drow says, perhaps we could discuss this in private. And Kenton is like, no, you broke DM law. You were demoted for it. And Drow's getting all pissy. He puts up his hood so that he can fly off. He's like, you and I want the same things. And Kenton says, what, war? Betrayal? No, I don't think so. And Drow's like, oh, yeah, well, why don't we take it up, this up to the higher rooms if you can follow me? Because one string is not enough to fly on. I, three, I guess, is needed to do that. And they know Kenton can't do that, except Kenton can do that. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, how is that even possible? Yeah, how lucky he all of a sudden had the exact number of strings he needed to be able to fly. Right. And he says <laughs> – Dryle has gone to his dad's rooms, to, to Kenton's father's room, the Lord Maestral's room. And Kent's like, get out of my dad's room. And Dryle accuses Kenton of being the traitor. Like, you were the only one to survive, and like show, and you showed up like days after the rest of us? Pretty clear. Like, what were you doing? Collecting your payment for betraying us? We all know someone betrayed the DM, Kenton. So maybe it was someone so bent on achieving maestralship, he'd destroy the DM to get it. Yeah, that seems like a flaw in logic. It's like, you really want to become the top rank in this organization that you'll destroy the whole organization to get it. Wait, what? <laughs> it's a bit of a weird power move. Yeah. Well, I mean, Joe said that Dryle was the traitor, and because it does seem pretty clear that someone must have betrayed them. And so if Dryle is the traitor, no better way to get people not looking at you than to find someone else you can call out. Yeah. I don't know. Now that uh, now that Kenton has said it so early in the book, it almost makes me think it's not true. Yeah, oh. right. It's like they lean on it so, so hard, so obvious. And it's like, well, now they just they're telegraphing it so much that it can't be right what happens. <laughs> Is Kenton secretly the traitor after all? What a twist. No, the real traitor was me. <laughs> <laughs> for, for some reason, I was absolutely sure you're going to be like the real traitor was the friends we made along the way. Yeah, the real tra- the real traitor was all of us. We betrayed them. We turned our backs on them. And so he knocks Dryle down with some sand. It kind of takes him by surprise. And then he feels kind of bad about it. Like, I'm just like my dad. When somebody questions me, I slap them down with a show of power. And that's uh, that's messed up. But also, Dryle's a traitor, mm. so I don't feel bad about it. Yeah, it is messed up. But you're not wrong about that other thing either. And that's when we cut to our new character, who is a tracked, which is what they call the cops, I guess. Tracked ace or ice. And uh, this is one of the big changes from the the prose version is that this character was male in the prose version. And uh, it is a female character now, which I think introduces a lot of more interesting kind of family possibilities the way that they write it. And they thought that Sherazan would be here, but Sherazan is not here. What they do find is Lord Torkel who's been held prisoner for months since he disappeared and his family, he and his family were kidnapped. They're dead now. So that's not great. And Torkel never got to see Shirazan, just Lachmlin. And so that is uh, Lachmlin was here just moments ago. So she starts chasing him down through the streets and she finds him. She's like, surrender. There's nowhere left to run. And he's like, there's always somewhere to run. 
you filthy Zensha, which I'm sure is in the uh, the glossary at the beginning, but I'm not going to go and look for it. I mean, had, oh, the, next, it the next panel talks, like, tells you what it is. It does. You're right. A traitor. So she is of the the Kareen religion. And so apparently a lot of them think that it is a betrayal that she serves the Losandian law and the Sand Lord. So she's a religious person, which is, as we know, not real common in Losand is what they told us earlier. And so she's like, hey, where is this Sherazan? And he's like, I'm never going to betray Sherazan. You can do whatever you want. You're a traitor to your people and your religion. And he gets her, he disarms her, gets her down. He's going to like stab her in the forehead. It looks like, and that's when some guy's like, yeah, excuse me. I'm a strong proponent of humiliating tracts and others in authority, but killing them is a bit extreme. And here's where we meet someone who we don't know who he is at this point, but uh, we'll soon find out he's a friend of Kenton's. And he easily takes this guy down with, like, the guy throws him a sword. Like, here's here's her sword. Face me. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't need a sword to beat you. And he doesn't. Eric's first rule of combat, always go for the toes. Yeah, I saw the name. I'm just like, I know that name. And then I went back and it's like, oh, yeah, I was right. That was Kenton's old buddy. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be huge. It's going to like he's going to be in the city. And then they'll eventually like much later on, they'll realize the other are there. And it's like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you. Thought you were dead. And then like the next page, it happened like, ah, shit. OK. Yep. Kenton is uh, is in, in his dad's room commiserating about uh, his relationship with his father. And somebody outside is like, where is he? Find me that scoundrel. And he looks down. And he's like, Eric, what are you doing here? Eric was on his way to visit him and then found out that he died. And he's like, I spent a week mourning you as I came to town for your funeral. And now I find out you're not even dead. What the hell? Next time, I'm not mourning you. You can count this last week as your requisite grief. I love that. <laughs> not my time. <laughs> you don't get any more from me, man. I, I like I like Eric and uh, their relationship seems fun. Yeah. I like the way he just starts mooching off him. It's like, oh, hey, you got some pretty sweet digs. Guess I'm just going to squat here for a while. Like, <laughs> Even though there's no way up or down. <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, Ken says, you didn't cross the border ocean just to see me. What about your father? And he says, Lord Ragant, Regent, the high and mighty general of Losand. He disowned me, remember? So his dad is the Lord General. That's information that uh, is interesting. Also, it sounds like he was on dark side. It said that he crossed the border ocean. So he's been hanging out on dark side doing who knows what. I think when Kenton was talking about him before, like, it's like, Oh, my, my old friend like disappeared. Like he mentioned that like, he'd gone to dark side. Yeah. He may so, have. Yeah. Eric yeah, left for dark side years ago and hasn't returned. That's what okay. he says. Yeah. So but apparently traveling around on dark side is like the, the empire or the evil empire, like doesn't let people travel much. So a foreigner might have some trouble. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I want to hear about Eric's adventures on dark side is what I'm saying. And so Eric's like, yeah, you shouldn't have even let them make you Lord Maestral to begin with. Uh, Eric's first rule of life, avoid responsibility like deep sand. And Ken's like, yeah, a little late for that one. And Eric's just like, Hey, look at the bright side. Even if you fail, we'll spend two weeks living like Kings. So when do we eat? This this guy has his priorities straight. Avoid responsibility. Eat good food when it's available. Oh my God, this is Sand Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne he, of the he, he just picked up this like he, he picked, whatever like several little tchotchkes or whatever hanging around this room. He's picking up and looking at. He might have traded one for one of them. Yep. What if it is Wayne somehow? 
I don't think that's possible. <laughs> we cut back to tracked Ace and the judge, the, the Lord Judge has come to see her. And what the Lord Judge wants is for Ace to go and evaluate the new Lord Maestral for her. Oh, this is where I got it from. It says it says here, like, Ace is like, I'm no closer to proving that Sharazen and Nilto are the same man. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. So, yes, it is Nilto she's after. Good call. I had forgotten that bit. And so all that the Lord Judge really knows about Kenton is that he's kind of a pain in the ass when he was younger. So she's like, I need somebody to go and, like, kind of someone I trust to evaluate him for me. And she's like, but you know that I hate the Sandmasters, right? Like, it's like my religion says that they're evil, basically. Yeah, I hate them. I hate them so much. And so she's like, look, I trust you more than anyone else in the hall, probably. So keep an eye on this boy of a Lord Maestral for me. And, you know, as an excuse, you tell him that I've set you to, like, protect him from attempts on his life. He needs my help so much that he will have to he, he's not in any position to deny my requests, even one that's clearly meant to put a spy in his midst. <laughs> so Ace goes home. We meet her husband and her daughter. And there's very cute, you know, oh, you're supposed to be in bed. But mommy and it's 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 cute until her husband and after the kid goes to bed, her husband's like, oh, by the way, this letter came for you. And it is <laughs> a letter from note. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy our game, Ace. You gamble your family. I fear I have little to bet in return. And she's like, Sherazan is only trying to scare me. The underground maintains a measure of civility. It kills tracts, not their families. And he says, are you sure? And she thinks, no. And so we cut back to Kenton, who's telling Deren, who it seems like he's become kind of his assistant, like, go get me some ladders so people can get to the <laughs> upper floors, even if they're not powerful. Did you know until yesterday I'd never seen my father's rooms? 18 years of life, eight of them here in the DM, and never once was I allowed to come and visit him in his quarters. That's rough. <laughs> right? And then outside, he sees a bunch of Sandmasters wearing black cords tied over their sashes. Drile is making a statement. He does not accept my authority. So that can't be good, but we don't really deal with it. Oh, bitch, bitch, bitch. And Eric is like, I mean, really, you think Drile's a traitor to the DM? And Ken explains the whole thing with the water. And the people drying out way too fast. And the the kid confirms it. It's like, yeah, people were just dropping. He says, like, spent sand. And Dryle refused to drink the water. But Eric points out, but wait, if it was, like, a cup of water that had to be refilled several times, then the poison would have been gone after the first round. And Kenton says, well, maybe he only needed to poison the maestrals, you know, the most powerful ones. I don't know. Not only did he, didn't he drink, but he survived. And Eric's like, yeah, how could he have been so stupid as to live? But yeah, Eric has a point. And then we cut to Chris, who is talking to her, their guide about who do we need to talk to. Kenton and Loten both mentioned the Taishin, and the kid explains, yeah, the Taishin, the Taishin are the eight leaders of the professions. Some are more powerful than others, and some are more approachable than others. And then there's a random thing where, like, dude's chest explodes as he tries to open it. That's that is his his trunk, not his chest on his body. Oh yes, I'm sorry, his trunk. You're yeah. <laughs> this is not an alien situation here. Wow, that'd yeah, be pretty was, sweet though. I, I don't remember that part. Oh wait. No. <laughs> yep. Like when when does the baby alien pop out? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't I don't remember this. This is a weird crossover. I mean, Start. I know there's like crazy sandworms, like dude, but this is weird. <laughs> this took a turn. Yeah. <laughs> We're screwed, man. We're screwed. <laughs> Got to nuke it from orbit. 
It's the only way to be sure. Um, and I like Chris is like, why do you even need such a complex locks for your clothes? Like, what is it with you and clothes, dude? Just such a random scene. <laughs> and so, yeah, they, they go to visit the Taishin. First, the Hall of Judgment. They say it will be a short wait, and then the High Judge will see you in three weeks. The Tower Garrison. The Lord General just left on a hunting trip and will be gone for 12 days. I love in each of these sequences, it's uh, it's clearly like the panel looks almost exactly the same. She's sitting in the same way, trying to fiddle with that lock. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, this one's also. It just like it, it makes it even more redundant and tedious feeling even as a reader you're just like yeah. oh yep that one's no good yep that one's no good yep that one's Bayon no good. is standing the same way yeah yep. exactly i i do like the the change in the chairs like you get a this idea of how different each of these places is just from the different chairs that she's sitting in yeah and like the different the, like they all have different uniforms like the people working in those places yeah it just it gives off a good good vibe the Lord Admiral is on inspection duties, which is code for he's passed out somewhere from drinking too much. Okay, let's book an appointment for later. Unfortunately, his booking officer is also on inspection duties. <laughs> uh, the Lord Merchant will see you immediately as soon as you pay the 2,000 lakh processing fee. <laughs> this dude. I also love the secretary in the background of that one. Where he's got like this top hat and this white coat. <laughs> that may be my favorite uh, background character. Uh, the Lord Farmer is overseeing the harvest quotas and cannot see anyone. The Lord Artisan's assistant is currently unable to locate him. Apparently, this happens a lot when he's working on a project. And then we get to the Mason's headquarters, and she goes, I'm afraid that. And Chris is like, just forget it. <laughs> I like how um, this is kind of going back a bit, but I liked when I was reading through the different like heads of each each guild. I was like, some of these seem like they cross over. And then it says in the description that they cross over. And I was like, oh, well, that's good. Good, expla good explaining. Yeah. Yeah. On the ball with my understanding. And then Bayon's like, so, okay, you said there were eight, Taishin. We've only talked to seven. So who's the eighth one? Oh, yeah, the, the Lord Maestral. What's that? It's kind of hard to explain in Dynastic. They're like holy men and women, but not holy. And they have a new leader, but I don't think he's going to be around much longer. I like how informed she is. She's like on top of things. Despite having spent the entire time that we've seen since Chris got here with Chris, she knows she points out to Kenton. She points out Kenton immediately. Like, yeah, it's that guy in the gold sash over there. Well, I mean, you know, if she's if she's informed, she knows like, oh, all the maestrals gotten wiped out except one. I know what color the maestrals wear, so there's gonna be that one. Yep. And so Chris is like, Kenton, you. And then in the next panel, it looks like Natisse is about to throw up or she's laughing at I, I'm not sure what's happening there exactly. But uh, Chris is very angry. You lied to me. We were talking about the Taisha. You didn't tell me that you were one. You're the ruddy Lord Maestral, whatever the stars that is. We trusted you. Does that mean so little to you? What is what is a Maestral even? Some kind of monk? He's like, I don't have time for this shit. I'm a busy man at this point. And that's when he takes off on some sans ribbons. And I like she's like, how's he doing that? Wires? Bayon's like, no, I don't think that's what it is. Bayon, do you see the strings? Yeah. Also, like they're in the middle of the desert. What what is he attaching those wires to? I guess <laughs> like the more. columns of sand or the building, I guess. Oh, and that's the end of that's the end of our chapter. So there you go. It looks like we found your sand mages, which is once again a nice dramatic point to leave off. Yeah. I it's like, but again, I'm going back to that. Like they're outside. They're not on like a stage. What would these wires be connected to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
he set up these wires specifically to trick you when you showed up, which he didn't know was going to happen. Oh, Chris is here. Hurry, get the wires ready. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yes, okay, let's move quickly over to Arcanum Unbounded for our essay. There's the nice map that they have for all the systems. I like this map of uh, the Taldane system. It's It gives you everything you need to know, basically. And actually, they sell a set of these maps, the system maps from Arcanum Unbounded on Brandon's website. And I purchased them at some point, and I have them framed, and I just haven't decided where they need to go. Nice. Yeah. That would be really pretty. I love a good map. Yeah, right? So... Taldane is one of the most bizarre planets in the Cosmere, a fact that in turn feels bizarre to me, having grown up on Taldane's dark side. There's a part of me that instinctively feels the way of this planet is the normal, natural one. So yeah, we're we're not pulling any punches. Chris is from this planet. Which, one of the reasons I didn't have you guys read this before the first, before we started, which somebody in the Discord was like, hey, aren't, aren't you going to have them read this before you start White Sand? I was like, no, I'm going to leave it a little bit, partly because I wanted you guys to also have the chance to spot details that would let you theorize about autonomy being the shard here before we just come out and say, Mm -hmm. oh, by the way, autonomy is here. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. And so this is where he points out, and I think I said it last time when actually it was from here, that on dark side, there's pretty much, it's twilight all the time because of the light from the smaller star filtering through the particulate ring. Our planet is not grim, and assumptions otherwise are simple ignorance. The ultraviolet light that shines through causes a certain reflective luminance luminescence in much of the plant and animal life and the visitors that i've met often found it somewhere between striking and garish so it just makes me want to see dark side even more like this sounds kind of interesting yeah man why aren't we in dark side forget this dune crap <laughs> <laughs> the sun is the dominating fixture of dayside which is primarily a vast sandy desert with most of the flora and fauna living beneath the surface which yeah we know that for years, we assumed our shard autonomy had invested only dayside through the sunlight itself. We know now that it is not that simple, though the mechanism is best explained under those assumptions. So investiture comes from the sun and is absorbed by a lichen on the surface of the sand that gives it its brilliant white color when invested or black when the investiture is depleted, which explains. Cool, yeah, yeah, I was about to say cool explanation for uh, what was going on. I appreciate the the good explanation. Right. So you give water to the tiny plant that causes a chain reaction, forging a certain people can forge a brief cognitive bond by using water from their own bodies to draw small amounts of investiture and control the sand. So the effect is quite is dramatic. The actual power used is quite small. It is a magic that is more about finesse than raw strength. So in terms of just like magical energy, this is a lot less than being used than say allomancy. But it does some interesting stuff. Dayside is two prominent cultures, while Darkside is more hospitable and varied. Prospective visitors are unfortunately unable to experience them directly. Autonomy's pol- policy of isolationism in recent times, in direct contrast to her interference with other planets, I might add, add, has prevented travel to and from Taldane for many, many years. A fact of which I'm all too aware. So she can't go home. Autonomy has an isolationist policy in regards to Taldane. So that's interesting. And the primary reason that I wanted us to read White Sand before Era 2 is that there was a lot of speculation in the fandom as Era 2 progressed that Autonomy was behind Trell, partly because of stuff like that where she's saying, yeah, Autonomy is actively interfering in other planets. And so I wanted you guys to be able to get that same 
have the opportunity to make that same guess that autonomy is what's behind Trell. We just weren't able to get there. Oh, well. And then, of course, in the Lost Metal, they come out and say it. But one of the other things that contributed to that is that Brandon had told everyone, even before it gets specifically stated in the Lost Metal, that autonomy works through avatars. So she'll create with her power different versions of herself to be in charge of different planets, basically. The same way she was going to turn Telson into Trell, she has done the same thing on other planets, has avatars that rule as proxies for her, basically, or maybe are part of her. It's really kind of unclear. And so people are like, oh my gosh, is Trell going to be one of those avatars? And it turns out, yes, that's exactly what was going on. Uh, but we've also found out from Brandon a little fact that might interest you is that one of the avatars of autonomy that is or was out there in the Cosmere was called Patji, P-A-T-J-I, and you may remember that name. And we've definitely heard that name. Yep. Good old Patji. Patji was the name of the island in Six of the Dusk. Oh. Yes. The extremely, yeah. the extremely deadly island with a mysterious perpendicularity that no one knew why it was there. Yep. But apparently there is or was, it's unclear because there doesn't seem to be an actual entity that's just a mean island in Sixth of, of the Dusk. So whether it's still around at that time, at some point there was an actual entity called Potji that was an avatar of autonomy and uh, and was, I don't know, in charge of the planet, I guess, kind of. Uh, it's, it's hard mm. to say. We, we don't know the details on that. All we know is that, yes, there 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 is or was a being called that and it was it is or was an avatar of autonomy. Yeah, I wonder. If all the investiture somehow got focused onto that one island, if Pachi like was was killed or something, and maybe like the island is his body, and that's why the island's called Pachi. Mm. And they definitely give personification to the islands. Like they are, they consider them like their gods, and Pachi is like the father god or whatever, and because it's the biggest island, so yeah, and And the most dangerous island we know. Yeah, we know like the birds from there are the only ones that like have powers, right? Yeah, that well they get their powers yeah. there, uh, like from the right. worms around the the eye of Pachi, that little lake or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's a good bet that maybe it's called that because it's literally like the god's body that is the leftover investitures there. Yeah. Would I mean yeah, it might definitely explain uh, the presence of the perpendicularity there. But yeah, so just a little little detail that I can share with you guys because that's something that Brandon has told people, and there's no other way for you to really know that. Mm. So yeah, autonomy is a, is a, a thing, and in charge of, uh, or this is autonomy's home planet basically. And I don't know, I've always given that all the investiture comes from the sun. I'm like, does autonomy live in the sun? I don't know, <laughs> but it seems like the Sand Lord is probably also some version of autonomy whether it's an avatar or whether it's like her doing sand lord stuff uh, i don't know that we know but it seems like that's probably uh, her also so all of that done let us move into predicaments what do you guys think what is uh where are we going with the story you guys are like yeah we've seen the story a million times okay we've seen yeah, the story before. yeah what's gonna happen talking i'm talking a lot of crap i don't know what's gonna actually happen no um let's see i i would assume that now that Chris has found Kenton, they're going to be able to help each other out, hopefully. So whatever her problem is, because we still don't really know, she's going to work with Kenton to get her problem solved. And quite possibly he's going to be able to use her to do the same thing, to be able to show 
that that they are worth keeping that his his uh his the dm and all the people therein are their profession is worth saving that would be my overall guess for where this story is going i'm i'm very curious to know if they if at the end by the end of this story we know why chris like decides to leave her planet and like go and explore i'm guessing we don't but it would be interesting to know if hmm. uh, if we find out about that at this point she i don't know maybe i'm wrong at this point have we seen proof that she knows about world traveling or perpendicularities or anything like that i don't think so uh, in fact yeah. i think i think she may have said like this is her first time even leaving her country so. yeah so maybe that's kind of the crux of the end of this story is they learn about perpendicularity and going to other planets and things like that mm-hmm. and maybe somehow the maestrals help her figure that out or the maestral i guess so that's possibly where i think this could go more immediately i'm not entirely sure what's going to happen i don't know you know is Dryle too obvious or because it's a graphic novel is you know is he because it's a shorter form of storytelling is he a bad guy is you know or is what we suspect about him true i would still lean towards yes even though it seems a little obvious but um I'm definitely interested to know in how these warrior priests play a part in the overarching kind of story of what's going on here, because somebody's pulling the strings. If I had to guess at this moment, just based on how shifty and shady she seems to be, I'm going to guess it's the high judge. That's my guess as to maybe who's pulling the major strings, but that's purely based on the sense I got from her, from the conversations you know, during the meeting with him after sending a lady to go spy on him, I'm not sure she's as friendly as she is making herself out to be. So mm. if I'm going to guess on who the big bad is right now, I would guess the high judge. And it may be that the whole council is uh, is corrupt. You know, they're they're very powerful people. And I think already a theme of this this graphic novel is that power can corrupt you. And so maybe they're all corrupt because they're all in positions of power. And, and that's kind of maybe where the story is heading. Not sure. But um, obviously there's something going on with the Lord Beggar. More go, um, something more is going on. He's obviously a seedy dude. I mean, he looks seedy. Let's let's just leave it. I hate to judge a book by its cover, but come on. This guy's got some evil <laughs> stuff going on. Plus, anytime you walk into a room and you're like, get this lady out of here, that's. You know, that guy's that's no good. That guy's not he's not a good dude. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. But yeah, that's uh that's about all I got. So if if the Lord Judge is behind it and whether or not the others or Debbie that whether or not the rest of the Taishan is involved, is is there any guess as to like a motive for why she would wanna So I almost wonder if her saying that the DM's in debt is actually not true if she's actually been embezzling the, the money herself. Ooh. But also a power shift. If there's some kind of play from her, my guess is the way that Chris could be involved in this is that maybe – what's the name of like the place that rules the dark side? The Dominion? Uh, the, the Dominion. What is it called? Dynasty. The Dynasty, yeah. Dynasty. Dynasty. I, I, I almost wonder if whoever's – the big bad is pulling the strings over here it is in cahoots with the dynasty to become like, you know, if they work with the dynasty to help take over Dayside, then 
they'll be in charge of of that side of the planet. And the reason, uh, you know, the biggest threat to the dynasty's takeover would be this warrior clan where their whole job is that they're like magic warriors. Mm. So you take those guys out, get them out of the way, or better yet, turn them into mercenaries so that they'll just do whatever the highest person pays them to do. It doesn't matter whose side it is. Then you've got a fighting force that you could manipulate to win the war the way you want it to. So, cause I mean, as soon as these guys become mercenaries, let's say, Word gets out because obviously there's lots of communication unbeknownst to dark side people. There's lots of communications between dark side and day side. Let's say word gets out. We've got these magic sand guys. The dynasty could use them on the day side to kind of try to start to take over. It doesn't sound like their powers work on the other side of the planet. So so it would be kind of limited to that side of the planet. But if dynasty is going to make a move, they've got to get these people either manipulated under their control or out of their way. So that would be my mm-hmm. guess is whoever's working the ultimate bad here may be working with dynasty to, to do that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's, that, that's a good theory. We, we just know so little about them except that they're the evil empire or whatever. So it's entirely possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's possible. We never may never get any clarity on them. They may just be the evil empire off in the distance, but I feel like Chris is here for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously. Uh, so it's gotta be connected in some way. That's fair. Okay. Um, so I, I don't have as much as, as Joe, but I, I definitely like the idea of our high judge being a baddie. I think that makes a lot of sense. I was going to go in possibly an unpopular opinion direction. I don't know. Thinking about who our baddie is, I do think Dryle's a little bit obvious. Given the size of the story, it might just be that way. Mm. But I don't know. Our, our friend Eric might. He, he He's raising sus- suspicions for me. He's been gone so long to then just come back feels a bit a bit weird. And if he is trying to do something to, you know, destroy the DM or whatever, he's now in a pretty good place to, to do it. So, yeah, I, I came back and I was mourning you and, you know, there was no chance he was going to die. No one's no one's now suspicious of him that why didn't he die there because he wasn't there. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to be looking at him for a little bit. Could be nothing, but he's raising some suspicions for me. And yeah, I mean, the other, I guess really just looking at Chris being able to help through, we, we now have a time frame. It's a two week turnaround for the, the rest of the book, I guess. And then, yeah, what, what can Kenton do for, for Chris? Maybe what, whatever they solve over here. I hope we actually get to go to Darkseid. I think that would be fun at the end of the book to actually see what we're looking at. Not sure if we've got enough time to get there, but, but maybe we do. Depends on how we go with Kenton's problems first, I think. But that's that's kind of all I've got, really. I think, I guess, you know, for the end of the story, being a shorter story, I think we'll probably wrap things up fairly nicely. I think it's a good introduction to Chris. I hope that we see a little bit about how she ends up, you know, finding the perpendicularities or finds out more about the wider cosmere. Obviously, she's a scientist and a researcher and that's that's where she thrives, so it's no big leap to get there. But whether we see the thing that joins the dots, I don't know. I'd like to. It would be nice to know how she got specifically into where she got into, but we'll see. Perhaps that's a dark side question. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we don't really know if – 
presuming there's a perpendicularity, which it's apparently autonomy's home planet, so you got to figure it somewhere. Then yeah, we're we day side, dark side. Who knows where it might be? So yeah. Hmm. I'd be shocked if there wasn't a perpendicularity. Whether anyone knows about it yet is one thing, but mm-hmm. I would be I would be really surprised if there wasn't. There has to be somewhere she's gotten off the planet somehow. Yep, good point. But okay, so I like your thought about Eric just because, yeah, it seems like a big coincidence that uh, he hasn't been seen in years, and all of a sudden here he is, uh, right after this all this has gone down. So. Little, little bit of, I could see why, you know, there's some suspicion there. And the thing is, we know almost nothing about him except that Kenton trusts him and the Lord General is his dad. And so we have no idea what his motivations might be. All we really know that we've seen from his actions, other than him being flippant, is that he saw a woman being attacked in an alley and saved her, which says, I think, that we're supposed to think good guy. But who knows yeah, what motivations he could have had for that. Exactly, but someone can be a, a good person and still have their own kind of misguided mm. adventure. You know, you have the right reasons for doing something, but you're misguided in your attempt to execute the plan, I guess. So not saying he's all out like a completely bad guy, but maybe getting rid of, you know, the maestrals is a good thing for him. Yes, his father's Lord General. What does that do for him? Does Is that a thing that you're voted in on or is that a, uh-huh. a family line thing you know we're talking about power corrupting people what where does he sit in a line of power anywhere who knows or he could just be a good guy and now he's back to help his friend and he's the lovable sidekick and that's all, all fine i just i think we've made a he's turned up but then kenton's made a big deal of him in the past as well you know thinking it was him turning up and then it wasn't him and I just, I think we need to spotlight him a little bit more. Mm, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, that's a smart thought. Just because you are a bad guy doesn't mean you are a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, that was that was appropriate. Good, good, good drop. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, let's uh, let's move into. We got some emails. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, what are you once doing? again, I left. I, yeah. I, I left the last person out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dak. Was it always not even had that? Dak's not yeah. allowed to make predictions ever. I'm sorry. Uh, he's just too oh. good at it. He's he's uh, he gets everything right every time. Oh, Dak. Right as you said that, I could swear I just heard some voices go volcanoes. <laughs> Volcano. Me you know, we did see Volcano. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. When, um, when, uh, when, like, when, I'm just a voice now. Okay. What Data said, he gets everything right. Oh, volcano. <laughs> hey, um, man, ask me about my volcano theory. It was a big hit at the con. I need that shirt. <laughs> I need that on like a letter jacket or something. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So, my prediction is like, I am going to throw out someone else is the possible traitor to the DM. I think it's this little scamp Diren. Ooh, okay. Because it's, yeah, it seems like he's constantly showing up. He's the only other member of the DM who really seems to, you know, be doing anything you know, that that is still alive. We've got Kenton, we've got Dryle, and we've got Diren. All the rest are just kind of the faceless masses. And I think Dryle is very much the two, he's the two obvious candidate 
And it's like, all right, well, who else was present at the ceremony that we really know as a character who could be around? It's like, oh, Darren could be part of it. I, I can't remember. I haven't, I'll have to skip back through, but it could be what Eric was saying. It's like, well, you know, if the poison was in the bowl, it could only, as soon as it was gone the first time. So I have to check who was refilling it, because that seems like an accolade job. So Darren could easily be spiking the bowl every time that he refills it and just give, giving it to everyone. He's got Dryle already lined up as the perfect fall guy. Like, Kenton and Dryle are at each other's throats, and no one's looking at this little red-haired, ruined-looking guy in the background going, yes, everything according to plan. I like that he's a ruined-looking guy, because he's, he's got red hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, Can't trust him. What you said there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't really have much else. I like the idea, like, the High Judge and the, uh, the Dynasty conspiring, and that's going to be your ultimate things. But the only real theory I have is, like, I don't like this Deeran guy. And he's, um, I'm very suspicious. Okay. Uh, I, that's that's a very genre-savvy way to look at it, where you're like, okay, let's look at who was there and who did we actually get a name for? Because probably if it's, there's a traitor, it's going to be someone whose name we've been told, as opposed to random background guy number five turned out to be a traitor. Oh, my God. Well, I remember um, when we were reading the Dresden Files, and we got to – it's the book where they finally unmask the traitor. Mm-hmm. And – uh, and I, I remember I remember messing you like three chapters into that book. And I was like, oh, so the traitor is obviously this person because that person has been in all the books leading up to this, but all of a sudden has a massive spotlight in this book. And you, and you, and you just gone. You were you were trying very hard not to tell me. It's like, yeah, you got that one in one. <laughs> got to the end of the book. I'm just like, oh, it's exactly who I picked. Yeah, see, so you gotta you you, you gotta think. Give it some thinking. Yeah. Pay, pay attention to the, the tropes, and you can spot these kind of things. Yeah. Or can you? <laughs> and then it turns out it was the bug monster all along. It, <laughs> it didn't was... die when when Kenton killed it. It, it just buried, borrowed back in, and then it led the Kurtzians to them or something. I don't know. He wanted revenge for getting stabbed by Kenton, and so... <laughs> we, we had a symbiotic relationship all this time, but now you've made me mad, Sandmasters. You said bug monster, and my first thought was actually, uh, like, uh, what's his name, Stumpy, uh, Chris's Tonk. I was like, oh, man, the Tonk did it? <laughs> oh, the horses fight back. Oh, Stumpy. Stumpy's gone. Wouldn't cross the river. Nope. I mean, I don't blame him. Yeah, I mean, it, for, for us, it would be like if there was a river of acid, and it's like, you want to cross that river of acid on, like, an open side boat? I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. I'll stay over here. I've well, seen Dante's Peak. Fuck, that was a deep cut. Where did that come from? I haven't. Thought. I don't know, man. Uh, well, I haven't thought yeah, about that since I was in fucking high school. Thing. That that movie's terrible. <laughs> it was not good. In a uh, in a uh, university, I had a class called Natural Hazards, and it was basically a geology class where we studied like, you know, naturally occurring hazards like earthquakes, volcanoes, those sorts of things. And um, after each section, so you know, we'd we'd read the earthquake section in the text and then we'd watch a movie about earthquakes but it wasn't like a documentary it was like a crappy movie so for volcanoes <laughs> we watched dante's peak oh boy fun oh goodness okay nice nice theorizing i, I suppose i'll let you have one this time uh that yeah, you're allowed to theorize <laughs> thanks yeah I'm, I'm very generous like that <laughs> um okay now we can do the emails and such you guys may have seen I just dropped some pictures into our chat because our first email is from Talon, yeah. who you may remember back 
sent us several follow-up emails and the last one was like next time i'll send pictures of my pets so that's what we got this time is several pictures of cats and dogs from talon talon has a lot of pets yeah einstein and the newton these two are brothers and newton is the one that likes naps and einstein likes drugs aka catnip (laughs) mac she's always grumpy spock the fat one bernie the stupid but friendly one so there you go lots of cute uh, dogs and cats and their names dogs and cats living together mass hysteria i'm always happy <laughs> to get uh, pictures of cute animals sure yeah none of these look like my cats yeah, the, one of them the, looks like our yeah. cat the the gray yeah. one looks kind of uh which one the, 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 the one with the mac the one with the, the pink hot tag okay. Oh. okay moving on to the next email which is from tom Hi, Sander Lange crew. Thank you all for your wonderful podcast experience. I started listening in December of 2022, and I have just now finished all 140-plus episodes. Fun fact, I was was training for a marathon during this time, and I ran 365.4 miles, almost all of it listening to you all. Dear God. Amazing. Well done. Yeah, I mean, way to go. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what we sound like on the go. (laughs) I'd be curious if anyone has... Other thoughts on the scene in the Lost Metal where Wax is climbing the tower and asks Harmony not to make him do this again, despite his blindness and limitations, says pushes through the, the scene of him at the gates of Luthadel. To me, it's such a powerful moment because it really shows off how human says still is in some ways, which could be very interesting set up as we get into Era 3 and potentially the Shard's intent influencing him more. Implying that in Era 3, says will lose more of his humanity? I, yeah, I guess that's the idea. Yeah, mm. okay. yeah. I guess he won't show people those kinds of things. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's interesting that, I mean, if, if he may be trying to hold on to his humanity, and so even kind of terrible memories like that, he is trying to hold on to tightly to keep what he was. True, I guess. And that was a defining moment of his life. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. very big, big change for him. Um, anyway, looking forward to you all eventually getting to Stormlight, wasing to the time of next, Cody. Guess you're a Stormlight fan, eh? A lot, a lot of Stormlight fans being like, hey, come on, you guys are going to get there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and if anybody day. cares, I'm currently on book six of Dresden Files. <laughs> Yay! Somebody in the Discord was saying they they just read the first three books of the Dresden Files and were yeah. like, I don't know if I'm going to continue. It's, uh, you know, I, I have to remember those books were very of their time. There's quite a bit of... Even though they poke fun at misogyny, there's still a lot of misogynistic things that they don't poke fun at in those books mm. that I was that I that is kind of a tough read. And then I have to remind myself, you know, this this was written in a time where that was very heavy in the media. I don't know that Jim Butcher is the type that put that stuff in there purposefully or if he did it because he was just a product of the time when he was writing those books, or if his editor said you need more sex, sex. Well, it's, it's also because he's, he's doing a take on like a noir detective thing, which those are heavy, heavy themes in the noir genre. Yes. Was all the sort of things, but the person, uh, Bomo in the, in the discord was actually saying that like, I like book one way better than book three, because I like these stories where he's like a wizard detective and he's dealing with like these, small case type things as opposed to being like the center of the wizard universe with constant assassination attempts. And I was like, that's right. 
I mean, I don't think that in book three, he's the center of the universe or anything. We don't even, we I don't know that we've even met any other wizards in book three, which is kind of yeah, what I maybe, said. But. Maybe they meant book four. Yeah, Grave yeah. Carol, there's no other wizards yet. Because we yeah, don't meet Ebenezer in the White Council till book four. Yeah. They said that they just started book four, but they weren't sure if they were going to continue. So they may be kind of yeah, lumping, well, lumping well, book three with the beginning of four. Then. Yeah. Met Morgan by that point. Oh, we had yes. met Morgan. You're right. He was in the first He book. was, yes. He's Morgan has been, yep, yes. I, I mean, I'll say this. I've I've already read through these books up to book nine, so I'm just trying to get back to where I was. But I, it is nice to read these because I'm remembering all the story because, yeah, I had forgotten tons of stuff. And this is obviously a series that does build upon itself. So, yeah, if you can put aside some of the more icky misogyny stuff, like the reason I started to go back and read the old ones because I was in book nine and there's just a lot of a lot of questionable sexuality sexualizing of like his his friend's daughter and i'm just like yeah, yeah. i don't know about this so you know it's Not just wrong. like ooh, i don't know but yeah so uh my, my suggestion was if you've already started book four read book four and if you don't like book four you probably won't like the rest so yeah but yeah anyway yeah right we, we went down to dresden files rabbit hole for a minute sorry uh we got a couple you know i'll do one more email for now we, we'll have a couple more but i'll save some for next time too the next the the, the, the the I cannot I can't even <laughs> leave that in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one is from Lex. It says Beyond the Lost Metal and five star rating. I'm Lex. Just a small predicament slash hope that I had. I think it'd be awesome if Maxilium grows up to be Harmony slash Discord's avatar, making his way through the Cosmere, doing cool Mistborn shit while also keeping the spirit of Wax and Wayne alive. Also, five-star rating. I love you guys, but Joe is my favorite, even though he doesn't like spook. Dak, Jamie, and Joe, congrats on the kids. I hope they have y'all's same love of reading. Data's cool, too. Wasn't to the time of whatever. (laughs) Yeah. There's a P.S. that I feel like they sent this email and didn't. It says, P.S. I'm sad, A.B.O. That's it. I'm but, sad, A-B-O. I'm, I'm assuming it's what? I'm sad about was the that was the beginning of the word about, and then they sent accidentally. But, uh, yeah, that's the end of the email. Uh-huh. Interesting. Well, I will say, dear friend, thanks for the kind words. Also, yeah, my wife loves to read, so we read Bedtime Story. Even though he's, like, only seven months old at this point, we read Bedtime Story every night. Yep. Get it started early. Yeah, it's fun. I like Bedtime Stories. It helps cognitive oh. development, and it gets yeah. them in books. Yeah. I always uh, I always begged my mother to read me a Bedtime Story, and she always said no. <laughs> Trying to figure out what, like, which which books would be good to read when she's a little more cognitive. It's like, all right, this would be a good like one to read to you. When when mine were very very small, uh, the like the third I think of the like illustrated Harry Potter books had just come out, mm. and so I had all three of them, and I was like, you know what, you guys are too small to understand, so it doesn't really matter what I read to you guys at this point. We're gonna read yep. Harry Potter. And so I started with the first illustrated Harry Potter and I show them the pictures, even though they have no idea what I'm saying or what they're looking at. But uh, as uh, once they were old enough to actually kind of know and pay attention, they wanted to pick their own books. So that's what we do every every nap time and every bedtime. I'm like, okay, it's time for bed. Go pick a book, each of you, and we will read two books and go to bed. Yeah. Nice. Baron Stain Bears is a good uh, good one in my house. I like them. Got like a little collection book of those. I like the Neil Gaiman book of um, Norse mythology. I'm like, well, that could be good. He's a good like that was that was quite easy reading, but it's also dealing with I love reading the old myths. So mm-hmm. yeah, and then uh, and then Data got me the 
Monsters Wear Underpants book or whatever. Oh, yeah. Monsters Don't Wear Underpants. Uh, yeah. From, uh, that was drawn by... Uh, yeah, he was at the con, right? Uh, it well, It's Brandon's art guy like the guy who did does the maps and all of the arts uh, is yeah. like the head of the art department now for his Isaac Stewart that's his name sorry I just jumped out of my brain that's his name and uh yeah that was uh, a, a, they did a kickstarter i believe at one point for this his lift the flap children's books and book and uh my kids loved it so i was like you know what i bet your kid will love it and he does nice uh good times good times okay i love how as they get older sorry just one thing on the books oh, yeah, as yeah. they get older a book that they might have loved, you know, six months ago, they love it again, but for a different reason. Like there's mm-hmm. another of, you know, cognitive ability and that they're interested in it again. And I just think that's really nice. Yeah. Um, our daughter's got this book and it's Pika Who. And it's very simple. The idea is, you know, Pika, there's a cow and the Pika Moo and then there's the zoo. It's Pika <laughs> Zoo and Pika Choo Choo for the train. It's very simple. But now, like, she'll read it to her doll, which is really cute. Like, she knows the words, and it's Aww. just it's very cute. Like, I, I love it. That's oh, awesome. For that five-star review, you are a coin shot. Uh, all right. So uh, thank you guys for the emails. We got a couple more, like I said, but I'll save them for one of these times we don't have emails as we're moving forward. We also have one new patron this time. So let me pull that person up. Our new patron at the Ska level is... K, just the letter K. K, I got to pull up my fairing list. I should really just have this up every episode. But <laughs> fairings. Uh, I don't know. Which one we haven't done in a while. Maybe uh, Wind Whisper. Store Ooh. Senses with Tin. That's yeah. fun. That's a good one. All right. Uh, no new reviews to hit on this time. So I believe that is everything. If you would like to send us an email. The address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Patreon, where we've just finished putting up episodes of uh, my first read-through of Tress of the Emerald Sea, and should be starting in on A Frugal Wizard's Guide to Surviving Medieval England. So, for anyone interested in, in that sort of thing, that's uh, what you will find on our Patreon. For next time, we're going to do three more chapters. I feel like three has been working out decently, so that will make it chapter seven, eight, and nine for next time. Woo! Uh, what else? What else? Did I say music by Miracle of Sound? Whatever. Say it I think again. you did. <laughs> you did just now. <laughs> okay. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, people sending emails, people on the Discord, people supporting us on Patreon. You're all awesome. We appreciate you all. And wasing to the time of next. Hello? The desert has a soul.